We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to today's message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Now here's Pastor Muta. Relevant youth, getting started today, come on. They've already been meeting and hanging out. We've got some awesome students here, and I'm excited for that. Hey, um, anybody has a, a, a team who uh, you just have so much faith in, but you always stand disappointed? You know, maybe it's the, the, the Detroit Lions or whoever it is that just is like, man, I, I got faith this year. And it's like, yeah, it's not happening. It's not happening. Or anybody been uh, to a, a concert and been so hyped to go to this concert and then it gets rained out? Rhonda. I remember those. I remember those pictures. They were excited to go to this concert, and they got absolutely rained out. You know, it's so crazy when uh, we've got all these expectations, and we want something to happen, and then whatever happens, it it, it either falls short of our expectations, or uh, we're just underwhelmed, you know, Fergie, you know. Just, it just didn't work out well. It just didn't work out well. We're like, we were hopeful, Black Eyed Peas, come on, she's going to bring, no, she didn't, you know, um, well, try again next time, no, never, don't try that again, but no, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you're so excited for something, and then it just kind of ends up fizzling out on you, um, my wife didn't know I was going to tell this story, and she, uh, she's actually, uh, I don't think she's going to be very happy with me, so forgive me in advance, baby, I love you, you're so beautiful, you sang so well today, you're a great mother, great wife. Um, so there's a, there's a place that I go to every year for uh, my pastor's retreat, my planning retreat, and I fell in love with this city the first time I went there. You know, I'm, I'm one of those pastors, you know, a lot of pastors are like super deep, and when they need to go meet with God, they go into the woods, and they rent a cabin, and they sit in the quietness of God. Not me. I'm a city boy. I need to be around people. And so uh, there's a city that I go to because there's awesome coffee shops that I can be at. And I mean, I fell in love with the city. I thought it was the greatest place on earth. I called Christine. I'm like, man, you've got to come visit this city. It's fantastic. She's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to see it. And I'm hyping it up. And I'm so excited about her coming to see it. I know she's going to fall in love with the city. I mean, who wouldn't love the city? She's going to get there and she's going to be like, babe, can we move to this city? Maybe we should go plant a church in that city. And I'm like, yes, this is going to happen. And then she gets to the city. And it's not the reaction that I wanted. And so we're walking downtown. I'm like, hey, babe, what you think? And she's like, it's nice. (laughs) I'm like, it's nice. What do you mean it's nice? And it was like the entire day. It was the point of contention because I'm like, you didn't love it the way I loved it. You don't appreciate me. And then it became all about me. And she's like, no, it's a, it's a decent city. It's not, you know, it's, it, it's nothing spectacular. My wife is from Toronto, so she's from a large city, and everything is beautiful out there, and the streets are clean and all of that. And I'm just, like, hyping up the spot, and it's just not working for her. It was just a bust, y'all. You know? And the, the crazy thing is that I had all these expectations of what I wanted her to do when she saw it. I had all of these expectations of the reaction that I wanted to see from her and just the joy and so that we can go down and skip down the road and be super excited. 
but that's not what she saw. It was different from her end, and so I'm left disappointed because she didn't like it the way I wanted it. She didn't uh, appreciate the city the way I wanted her to. And sometimes I wonder if the reason why we are underwhelmed in our relationship with God, the reason why we are not really thriving in our faith at certain times is because we've got all these expectations that we want from God, but what he wants to offer us is a little different. The thing that he has for us, the thing that he has prepared for us is a little different than what we want. So I think this morning God has a question for us all. He wants us to consider this one question. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? This morning, we're going to be in the book of Mark, chapter 11. If you have a Bible, go ahead and throw your hand up. I mean, if you need a Bible, go ahead and throw your hand up. If you have a Bible, throw your hand up. Let's see who all the Bible... No, I'm joking. Don't do that. No, no, no. Let's see all the holy people in here. Every one of you guys are pagans. No, I'm joking. Um... Grab your Bible, Mark chapter 11. We're going to be talking about the triumphal entry of Jesus walking into the city of Jerusalem um, on this day many, many years ago that we commemorate. And what's happening here, just give you a little backstory. Jesus has been killing it for like three years. He's healing people. People are being saved. People's lives are being transformed. He's bringing dead, the death to life. He is uh, uh, causing the blind to see, the lame to walk. I mean, it's just a spectacular experience that's been taking place the last three years. Jesus is doing all these things. Everyone is coming and they're being healed and they're being restored and marriages are being healed and people who are far from God are being close to God and and people who are ostracized by the community are not being embraced because they're like, wow, God has transformed you. And now he's entering his last few days before the cross, his last week, before he goes and sacrifices for the sins of the world, as the Bible tells us. His, mystery is re- his ministry is reaching a tipping point, that place where it's all culminating and all of the people who are following him are like, man, this is it. Something big is going to happen. We're super excited about what Jesus is going to do. And he's about to go to Jerusalem. Man, it's about to be on. See, what was happening in Jerusalem, Jesus was a good Jewish man who followed the customs of the Jewish tradition is there was a feast that was taking place in Jerusalem, a a, a kind of a thanksgiving of the early church, of the Jewish nation. They were were going there to give thanks and celebrate the Passover when when God delivered them for their slavery in Egypt. They were in Egypt for all these years as slaves, and and God came, and he took care of the Egyptians, but he passed over the Jews. They were his chosen people, and they were released, and they were no longer in captivity. And in fact, they left with much more than they came with. So it's a good time to celebrate. No longer in captivity. But the other thing is, it was a hopeful moment because they found themselves in new captivity now. They were under Roman guards. 
And so this celebration in Jerusalem, which was the center of political, of religious uh, um, power for the Jewish nation, it was a place where they knew that deliverance was going to come from and they hoped for this. So they're on one end celebrating God did it for us before and he's going to do it for us again. And that's where we find and pick up the story. In verse 1 of Mark chapter 11, it says this, when, now, when, the, when they drew near Jesus with his disciples, he's with his closest companions, he says, now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples. Bethany, just a little a bit about this area, this Bethany and Bethpage, they were about two miles away from Jerusalem. And Bethany was a place where Jesus hung out all the time. In fact, his very best friends lived there, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They lived here, and so Jesus did a lot of miracles in this town. In fact, one of the greatest miracles that Jesus did was raising Lazarus from the dead, and it was in this town. It's about two miles away. And they're coming and they're crossing from this town going into Jerusalem where this feast is taking place, where people are in expectancy of this Messiah who's going to come, going to deliver them. There's this holy king, uh, the son of David, all these uh, names that they had given this, uh, uh, this, whoever this Messiah was. And they're excited. And this is where Jesus is passing through. But he goes the interesting thing. Jesus passed by this plenty of times. The Mount of Olives, this, this route was something that Jesus did a lot. He was in Jerusalem, he's in Bethany, he's in Jerusalem, he's in Bethpage. I mean, they did this all the time. But what was so significant? Why was this triumphant? Why was this a little different? Well, it tells us in verse 2. He said, and they said to him, so Jesus sends the two disciples, two of his disciples, and says, go into the village in front of you. And immediately, don't you love it that Jesus always calls us to go forward? He says, go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat on. Untie it and bring it. This is significant. It's easy to read over a passage like this and say, oh, Jesus sent them to go get a colt. Go get a donkey. Go Go get a little animal that no one had ever sat on. But he sent them forward. Jesus knows what's ahead. Jesus knows what lies ahead for you. Jesus knows that when he calls you upward and forward, that there is a plan. There is something that he wants you to encounter in front of him. And a lot of things that maybe we don't see a value are the most valuable things that God wants us to see. It was a cult. It was just an animal. It was a baby horse. Nobody have ever sat on it. And he says, go get that. And they're going forward. And I'm sitting there wondering why they would go see and grab a colt. Shouldn't we grab a horse, a big, full stallion, strong Jesus? You know, it's so easy for us to look for the things that are strong and powerful and say, like, that's the thing that I want, Jesus. You see the job that you want, and you're like, well, that, 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 that job, that role, I mean, that suits me. That's what I want, Jesus. I want that thing. God says, no, just go entry level. What? I've got experience. 
It's so easy for the disciples to have walked by this colt. They're walking along and they're heading to Jerusalem. It would have been so easy to walk by this meaningless little animal off to the side. They wouldn't have even thought about it. But aren't you excited? Aren't you glad that our God, that Jesus Christ, sees the miracle in the mundane? The things that we walk past, the people that we walk past, the, the situations that we take for granted, God says if you would just pause and go forward a little bit. If you will take notice of this thing, I want to show you something that I can do there. And he says, a cult that no one has ever sat on, and this really implies kind of the Jewish tradition of uh, uh, animals that were uh, brought for the sacrificial act uh, of, of their culture, of bringing an animal sacrifice to appease, you know, of uh, the wrath of God and saying, God, forgive us. I'm going to take my very precious, clean, unblemished animal, and I'm going to present it to you as a sacrifice. And, and so it, this really implies uh, this with the cult that it, no one had ever sat on it. No one had blemished it. It had no blemishes. It was, it was pure. Have you thought about God doesn't want our leftovers? God doesn't want our leftovers but our first fruits. That's why God, when he asks us to give, he says, listen, give me the first top 10%. Because I, I want it to be unblemished. I want it to be untouched. You know, that's why, that's why I believe that it's important sometimes. You know, a lot of us, uh, and I was uh, one like that too. I was just like, you know what, let me wait till the end of the day. You know, I wake up really late in the morning, and I, I'm tired. I'm rushing. Maybe I should just have devotion in the evening. Or maybe I'll do it sometime in the middle of the day. It says, you know what, how about you have it the first thing in the morning? I love this quote by uh, an author. She says, I want to exchange whispers with God before I exchange shouts with men. That's so true. He's like, don't give me the blemish part of your day. Don't come to me when you're tired and you're frustrated. Come to me when you're wide awake, when you're just ready to go. Even if you're sleepy, I can do something with that. And that's where we really learn the first point and takeaway this morning. I believe Jesus is interested in our first fruits and not our leftovers. God wants us to put him first. He doesn't want our leftover faith. When we've tried everything else, and then we say, okay, I failed. God, what can you do with this? He doesn't want our leftover resources where we're like, well, look, I'm going to try to make it work. I'm going to try to make it work. I'm going to try to make it work. And then when you are spent, you're saying, okay, God, I need to give. I need to give because I need my life to be blessed. And you said that if we give, uh, I'll be blessed. So let me just, what, what do I have? Let me see what's in my pocket. Okay, God, just take this. He doesn't want our leftover resources. He doesn't want our leftover time. God, listen, I've got other priorities that I need to do. I've got other priorities that need to take place. And then when I have time, I'll find time to serve at church. I've got this work to do at work. When I have time, I'll go and pray with the person crying over there because they've just lost a family member. Jesus is interested in our first fruits and not our leftovers. Verse 3, he goes on. He says, if anyone says to you, 
This is him still telling them about bringing the coal. He says, if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back immediately. This is so good. As I was studying this, it jumped off the text. And it hit me so hard. Listen to this. Point number two, Jesus always blesses or multiplies what we put in his hand. Jesus always blesses or multiplies what he has asked us to place in his hands. The only reason he asks for it is so that he can give it to you blessed. The only reason that he asks for it is so that he can give it to you greater. What does it say in the word, uh, talking about giving? He says, give and it shall be given to you. Full measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Give it to me. Trust me. Because what I can do with your first fruits, you will never be able to do for a lifetime. Remember the story that is told when he is with the 5,000. There's 5,000 people there, men. So there was more because they were women there, and they weren't counted at this time, and there were probably children there. So upwards of 10, 15,000 people were sitting out there, and, and Jesus says, these people are hungry, and we need to feed them. And the disciple says, ha, good one. How are we supposed to do that? We need to send them home. Let them go home. Let them go eat. What do we look like? McDonald's? Over a billion served? Not happening. That's a lot of people, Jesus. And he says, well, what's out there? What's out there? Well, you know. Jesus, always ask us to do some weird stuff. Jesus, there's a little boy. He's got two fish and five loaves of bread. We're not going to take food from a little kid, Jesus. What, we're not, we can't do that. He's like, hey, give it to me. That's a child. People really don't like you. People don't trust you. Now you're stealing food from a child? What do you think that's going to do with your ministry? Trust me. Put it into my hands. Jesus is crazy. I, son, um, can we uh, borrow your food for a moment? And I can just tell this little kid is just like, yeah, childlike faith. Is it, Jesus wants it? He's, Jesus wants my food? Hey, yeah, I want to see this. Hey, everybody, Jesus wants my food. They give it to him, and when he gives it back to them, they've got more than enough food to feed the entire 5, 10, 15,000, and they've got baskets still that they're picking up. And there's so much. Jesus wants to bless and multiply everything we put in his hands. It's crazy. Supernatural increase will only come after a conscious release. You looking for supernatural increase in your life? Think about what you're holding on to. Think about what God has said, place it in my hands. Place that relationship in my hands. Uh, Place that job in my hands. Place that education, your school in my hands. Place your kids in my hands. Trust me, if you give it to me, I will give it back to you greater. We go on to verse 4 through 6. It says, And they went away and found a colt 
tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying that colt? Dude, where are you from? What's up with that? Um, uh, what are you doing? And they told them what Jesus said. And they let them go. They let them go just like that. One, we're seeing God's sovereignty overcoming human resistance. Two, we're seeing the foreknowledge of God knowing the end from the beginning. They let him go, and they're going against all social norms. That's like you, me showing up to the dealership. Larry, bro, that car right there, let me get the keys. Excuse me? The Lord said he wants it. He says he'll give it right back. It's against social norms. These are their animals. This is what they used to travel with. And like, we're not just going to give this up, but they let it go. It's out of the ordinary, right? And sometimes God will ask you to do what is out of the ordinary from societal customs. What does God ask you to do that's not natural? Have a Bible study in a public school. What? God said, let's do it. Administration says, have at it. What? We don't even want to pray in schools, and they're having Bible study in the middle of the courtyard? Listen, point number three. Our boldness may be the difference between roadblock or breakthrough. They explained why they were doing it. They weren't afraid to say, hey, listen, we're doing this in Jesus' name. We're doing this because God has called me to do this. I'm just going to lay it out. I'm not going to try to hide it. I'm not going to try to make it sound good. Well, you know, um, I thought this would be a good idea to meet with the students. I just want to give them a little bit of encouragement. No, I want to lead my students to Christ. You got a problem with that? Absolutely not. Go for it. Our boldness, our boldness may be the difference between roadblock or breakthrough. Verse 7 through 10. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the ground and spread leafy branches and, and they cut from, that they cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Uh, This whole thing with this cult. So check it out, right? So they're in Jerusalem. They're celebrating the liberation that God gave them from the Egyptians. They're praying for the new liberation that's going to come from Roman guards. All of these are good Jewish students. I mean, the Jewish culture, by the time you were seven years old, you knew so much in the Torah. You knew, you could quote it verbatim, this, 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 this. And so they know all the prophecies. They they know what's been written uh, in the Old Testament, the old scriptures that they had at that point. And in Zephaniah, in Zechariah, excuse me, it says this, in Zechariah 9.9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, talking about the Israelites. He says, Shout aloud, O daughter 
daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. He is humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt. The fowl of a donkey. So listen, they're celebrating liberation. They're praying for liberation. And they're going through these scriptures. And then all of a sudden, they're hearing about this guy, this miracle worker, Jesus. And he's healing people. And he's freeing people. And he's doing all these amazing things. And then they look up. That's him. Hosanna, come save us. They're excited. This is a time for celebration. It's about to be crazy. We are getting free today, people. He's here. Hosanna means save us or save quickly. And they're like, come on, bring it. They cut these uh, palm branches, and and this was all all part of their custom, and they're just uh, waving it. This was a sign of victory on their coins. They had palm branches. They're putting their cloaks, their outer garments, laying it down. They're like, this is the red carpet. Come on, king, bring us victory. What are we going to do? Tell us what to do. We're ready. The Marines, Derek, are ready. Come on, commander-in-chief, let's make this thing happen because I want to get free today. They're excited. But the only problem is they're so concerned about the salvation or the liberation they're going to get from the Roman government, that they totally miss that the salvation and the liberation Jesus wants to give them is so much more. It's so much more powerful. It's so much bigger. How do we know this? Check it out. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I mean, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, yeah, they all share this story. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke give it one way, and they all sound very similar. But then I was kept on studying. I'm like, I know John talks about this. What does it say in John about this? And John adds a little bit of nuance that we're like, huh. Check it out. John chapter 12, verse 17. If I get there. John chapter 12, I should have put it in my notes. Come on. John chapter 12, verse 17. Here we go. The next day, number 12, I'm just going to go through it real quick. The next day, the large crowd had come to the feast, heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches, palm trees, went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered, oh yeah, that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. Now check this, verse 17 is very important. It says the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and was raised. Remember, it was two miles away. It was close. And they had been talking. It says the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. They continued to celebrate. They continued to tell people, yo, Jesus raised Lazarus. Can you believe that? He was dead for days. He was dead, dead. Not like a little dead. Not like the resuscitation after three hours. Like, he was all the way gone. He was stinking. They opened up the tomb. It was gross. It was dumb. Ah, did you believe that? He, he rose him. He came out all like in his little things, and he's like walking. It's like, what in the world? They're telling him all these things. And verse 18 says, the reason why the crowd went to meet him 
was that they had heard he had done this sign. The reason the crowd went to meet him because he had done this sign. They weren't concerned about who Jesus was. It's a miracle worker. We need a miracle. This is my genie in the bottle coming here. Let me just get it. This is exciting. This is cool. Yeah, you know that uh, he, he preaches salvation and, and he tells people about uh, the love uh, 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 of God and how he, you know, he's I, the I am. And uh, that's all nice, but he's about to do something for me. Hey, you know, I, I heard like he's a real, like a real deep guy. You know, he's been in the synagogues. He's been teaching. He's, he's, he's essentially saying that he's the Messiah, not just the Messiah to liberate us here, but he's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. Yeah, that's nice. Do we have to call him? That? If we call him that, will he respond to my request? If I just say, Hosanna, save me, will he save me? Because he saved everybody else, didn't he? If I call him king of kings, will that kind of be like the rubbing of the genie of the bottle? Can I appease him that way? Will he do something for me then? The crowd came because they had heard that he had done this thing. Can I tell you guys something? And this is, outward celebration does not always mean inward conviction. Just because we look the part doesn't mean we are the part. They were more concerned of who they wanted him to be than who he was. Do we ever fall into that? Uh, They followed him not, they they followed him not because he, he was the son, but because he did signs. They show up not to proclaim the coming kingdom of God in the highest, that now we can be free from sin, free from brokenness, free from condemnation. They're like, dude, I just want to put more money in the bank. I just want to feel better about myself. Isn't he the self-help guru? My body's broken. I just want to be healed. I could care less what he wants to do with my soul. I'm just sick of being sick. I just want my kids to behave. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad he does that too. Who are you looking for? When you're saying save me, save you from what? When you call him king of kings and lord of lords, lord over what? Jesus was not about creating revolution. He came to revolutionize their lives. And he wants to offer us the same thing. And he wants our lives renewed. And he wants our lives restored. And he wants to do something amazing. But we can't come to him with these expectations for what we want him to do with our lives. We got to come with the expectation that he's already got the plan and we're just going to have our hands open. Say, whatever you bring, Jesus, I receive. Just bring it on. 
What are you looking for? And this Sunday, I just want to leave you with this. Take another look. Take another look. See, people had seen Jesus for who they wanted him to be, not for who he was. Jesus was more than a political deliverer. He was the king of all kings. He's not just going to save our region. He's going to save the world. He's not going to just help me physically or financially. He's going to help me spiritually. I will be able to live with him for ceaseless ages in heaven forever. Point number four, or last point. And maybe somebody needs to hear this today. Jesus is not a temporary fix. Jesus is not a temporary fix. He is the source of eternity. And that's big, y'all. That's big. He is the source of eternity. That means if I'm so worried about you taking care of the here and now, I miss the big picture of everything else you want to give me. There's so much he wants to give us. So what are we looking for? We've got to take another look. We've got to take another look. God wants to give you more than you're asking for. He wants to reveal the the, the meaning, the, the miracle in your mundane. In those dead areas, in those things that you pass by, in those things that you don't really focus on, he wants to show you that I want to give you a life that you have never known before. I want you to experience an experience you've never known before. I want you to experience the abundant life that I came to give you, that I went to the cross, that I died for, and three days later, I was resurrected for because I won. So whatever stands in your way, I'm the breakthrough. Whatever holds you back, I'm the slingshot. Whatever puts you down, I'm the elevator. I want to do more exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can think or imagine. Just take another look. Take another look. So there's... Three things that I want you to do. We left enough space. Hopefully, you'll be able to write this down because we don't have them on the screen. I want to leave you with these three things. Maybe one of these impacts you, but I know the third one is impacts everyone. Sorry, I've gone a little bit over my time, but this word has been working on me all week. The first thing I want us to do is repenting for wanting more from Jesus than wanting more of him. We came to the communion table today to say, Jesus, you are enough. Your sacrifice is enough. The faith that you give me is enough. I trust you. I honor you. I want to follow you. I want just more of you. I don't need any more stuff. In the Western world, we are the richest of the richest of the richest. Even our poor here are richer than most. We don't need any more stuff. That's not to say he doesn't want to give it to you, but all he says is just put it in my hands. And what I give it to you is going to be more than you thought you were going to get. 
Because the little infinite mind that you have compared, the finite mind that you have compared to my infinite mind, he says, my ways are greater than your ways. My thoughts are greater than your thoughts. As far as the east is from the west, so far removed your thoughts are from my thoughts. And what you ask for and what I want to give you, it doesn't even compare. To repent for wanting more from him than wanting more of him. Number two, this is for somebody in here who you've never accepted this free gift of more. You've heard about it, talked about. You've heard pastors preach on it. Maybe grandma used to tell you, you need Jesus. Maybe you know that there's something missing in your life, but you've never made that step and said, okay, I'll take another look. I'll bite. I, I want to accept this new life that you promised to give. I want to trust that you are more than I think you are. I want to trust that you will do more than I think you will do. I want to trust that you will give me an abundant life, not that it's going to be all easy breezy, but I'll be able to handle it with much more grace, much more humility, much more resilience. And every time I get pulled down, I'm going to spring back up. And I want to invite you to make a personal decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you need to recommit it. Maybe you followed Jesus in the past and then you just kind of fell by the wayside and you're like, I need to get back to my first love. So I want you to accept the free gift of Jesus Christ. And the last one before I share this to you about putting something in God's hands, about allowing him to see more that he can do, I want to share a quick video with you guys. It's not quick, it's about five minutes and 53 seconds. I counted it just so that I was like, man, what time am I at? But I want you guys to hear the story of someone who took another look. Somebody who says, Jesus, I want more of you and not just more from you. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.